Well, hello. I'm John. This is Johnny. Hey! And we have uh, joined you again for another episode of Talk About That, where yes, we talk sir. about that <laughs> and other things, too. So, how you doing, Johnny? I'm okay. I, uh, you know, I'm a little haggard. Yeah. Kind of thing. We are supposed to record yesterday. Yeah, I woke up. I had a headache. Yeah. I apologize. You had to call it off. Yes. And, uh, it was hard. It was a hard day for me. I was so looking forward to it. Were you? No. No. Well, you've been, uh, I hear it. <laughs> That's what those back, if you're background noises, this week is VBS week at church. Yeah. John has been brought out of retirement out as, of it, yeah. as game director, program director. What are you? Rec. Recreation Rec director. director. Yeah. It's a pretty big deal, Johnny. I'm not going You get a bullhorn. I do. I had to go track it down. No whistle. Why do you need that? You got the siren. Right. You know what I love to do in the bullhorn is it has that big, it's the siren. But what I'll do is I can make the noise with falsetto voice. And so I try to let the kids figure out which one's which the siren. One's which one's which? Like, I need you to do And I'll turn it on. And I can do, I can almost match it. Yeah. Almost match it. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty annoying. It's kind of like Jim like Carrey. The, like, you want to hear the most annoying noise in the world? Yeah. You know, it's very, very much. That was an amazing impression of a bullhorn. It's like the bullhorn is here. Well, I knew I couldn't do it too loud. I'd clip the microphone, so... <sighs> I'm, I don't know. Yes, I did. So we have a new student pastor, uh, Jason Payne, who's doing a great job. And so he literally started like less than a month ago, right a month ago. So we don't say youth pastor anymore? Is youth pastor like a... We can call him, but it's interchangeable. Student pastor. I mean, it sounds more... I like it. It sounds more uh, sophisticated, prestigious. Well, you know, youth, Johnny, is a hard thing to gauge. But student, you know, there's a moment... I guess my favorite thing the youth pastors do is when they say, like, my teens, when they call them teens. Yeah. Teens hate being called teens. They do. They hate being mm-hmm. called teens. They hate being called young people. <sighs> You're young people. Let me tell you these. something, young people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to know what to call them. So. Well, and when those words get used up and then they, you know, even if they still have value, it's like we talk about, they, they kind of. Yeah. you got to move on to a new word and there's no real reason why. Remember <laughs> all of our favorite things that we used to, so the young people, we used to talk about guys who stand up who they were thought they were making this comparison right now, this metaphor oh, right. or illustration. They're, that was they're, so current, yeah, their it, pop culture references were like 30 <laughs> years old. It's like, <laughs> Let me tell you who Madonna is. Her name was Mary. Okay. <laughs> she was the original Madonna, the mother of Jesus. It ain't Beavis and Butthead. It's Jesus and the Godhead. It ain't Anthrax. It's passing out tracks. <laughs> it ain't Guns and Roses. It's God and Moses. Uh, that's a bad one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't Jesus Jones. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he wants Jesus Jones. For Jesus Jones? I do. Right here, right now, bro. That was the only song I think he ever had that night. He had two songs. But that was the one that people remember. That was a great song, by the was way. Was good. Yeah. Right. It was he, yeah. Jesus Jones. Jesus no Jones. way that's his real name. I don't. He wasn't. Like somewhere along the way. He wasn't Hispanic. Can I just say that? He did right. not. He wasn't look like Jesus. It might have been Jesus Jones. <laughs> he was like a white dude from Michigan <laughs> <laughs> who called himself Jesus. Whatever happened. I think it was like, it's like an inflammatory thing you could do back then. Like, right. That was like right around Marilyn Manson. It ain't Marilyn Manson. It's, I don't know. Gold Street to the mansion. I knew it was there. It was right on the tip of my tongue. Oh my goodness! We used to come up with these with our uh, our bandmates when we were back in in the band with yeah. Finley and the guys. We we oh man, we go for hours. <laughs> so funny, so bad. But yeah, that's why I, I do that now with comedy because I just did a youth show 
uh, for middle schoolers. Yeah. So I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. You, you, you start your show gets sillier. You have to be sillier, right? So any fart joke, poop joke, because uh, you have a smart show. You know, well, what I'm I don't want to say I have a smart show, but I have a a show that some more I, cerebral, if you will. No, but it's there's some jokes that are when you say, well, I have a show that. Uh, it's more adult. It sounds like you're going to have dirty right. jokes, but it's not adult. It's just like, so my content is better understood by a grown-up. Right. But anyway, I was thinking about that. I was like, I'm just going to update all my references to like, what's up with Cardi B? Like, I have to like know who the the new pop stars. I don't even know what Cardi B is. <laughs> Cardi B? I just finished cardio, and I tell you what, I'm... I'm out of breath over here. Anybody? Is this, Am I right? Is no, this, seriously. Am I right? Seriously. I don't know what I am. Yeah, I, you know, I always, I don't, I have decided long ago when I was even still. In Never to walk in anyone's shadow? <laughs> I decided long ago that. <laughs> There's a, is that a vacuum and the mower? I think that's a lawnmower outside the, the window. The vacuum is upstairs above us and the mower's outside. Is it so possible like a, to have more noise happening? Listen, guys, this is real life. Johnny, we're just, we like said. Like a Cessna's going to fly over in a minute. <laughs> Like a crop duster. Someone's going to call a fire truck. Then, anyway. Oh, wow. Uh, there's that impression again. <laughs> You're good, buddy. <laughs> Anywho, I decided long ago not to be that guy who tries to act like he's significantly younger. Yeah. Like, it's better just to be the age that you are. When did you decide that? So, when I approached 30. Okay. When I approached thirty, because I remember there was a time there were frosted, there were frosted. Well, yeah, when I was like hair, twenty-two were, or whatever, you know, you had kids who were like eighteen, nineteen years old. You're yeah, kind of still there. You had to be. And and I remember, I remember there was for so long because I'd always had a backwards hat. We'd be playing basketball all day long at kids camp. love backwards hat. It's oh, so relatable. I love that stuff. <laughs> and and I remember, I remember that like I would have other youth pastors and stuff, and or even kids yeah. who would always go, whoa. You're the youth pastor? They always, I thought you were just one of the the, the older kids, the leaders. And then the, I don't know what happened, but there was one very distinct day that mm-hmm. that never happened again. Like yeah. no one ever, like somehow I just all of a sudden turned, look like I look old overnight. I don't yeah. know what happened. Enough hair had fallen out. See, the maybe. hair was still strong. The okay. hair was still going strong because I've seen pictures to early 30s and I'm you look, shocked. You look tired maybe. Extra tire window. They were like, this guy's dealing. This is either the most depressed teenager (laughs) or he is in charge of these teenagers. (laughs) He is thinking about their souls day in, day out. I would love, you know, so many kids have come out of the woodwork the last few weeks and send me emails and other stuff. And I would love to ask them. I can take a poll. When did you think that I no longer looked young? Like, I'd like to know what it was. That would be interesting. Let's do that. We could do that on Twitter. Here's the thing I was thinking the other day, too, is uh, we had. we we're talking about camp games, yeah. Because Roy was talking about it. I went over to Roy's and my Pastor Roy, who was doing the VBS this week, said in my small group, so we're at his house. Yeah. And I was asking what games they were playing because you're rec director, and he was like, "Well, there's the old throw the cup of water in the kid's face <laughs> That's game, his favorite, yeah. And uh, which is that came from a day that him and Andrew were stuck at camp, and it was a rain day. Yeah. They're in the gym. Yeah. So you can't do any all the games you had planned outside. So the kids are already bummed. You're like, it's gonna be great. And you're you're like talking amongst yourselves. We've had oh, this moment. Oh, yeah. You're like, what in the world are we gonna do? And so We used to just stand on the stage and vamp. Yeah, we would like, make up like act yeah, out your super best superhuman. We would do like talent show. Yeah. Act out a scene from your favorite movie. Yeah. If it's gotta be PG. Right. That was the thing is you do people get up and do like American Pie or something. And the talent show Super was bad. always some kid who would, yeah. who would like had it was triple jointed or whatever. Right. And gross everybody. It's out. always a double jointed kid. Is triple jointed a thing? I don't know. I just 
So you can hand. flip his shoulder out and then go back in. I don't understand like a what, a tri- what a triple joint triple joint would be. <laughs> and he turns into a yeah. airplane. Or <laughs> <laughs> the kid who lets spit flow out of their mouth almost to the floor, then sucks it all the way back up. Oh, the spit yo-yo kid. That's oh, a classic. Oh god, it's so gross. But anyway, the, so Andrew came up with this game. They just had like a bucket of water and cups. That was all they had. <laughs> So he's like, all right, two, each team, red team, blue team. And they, they sat one kid at the end on a chair. <laughs> and then they all lined up 80 yards away in the gym. And they just took off running, grabbed a cup of water, and threw it in that kid's face. Then went back and tagged the next kid until they got through. So by the end, that kid's just drenched and he's been assaulted. Well, He's been you, waterboarded, in essence. You, <laughs> he's been – it's wrong. It's against the Geneva Convention. <laughs> well, you know, the, the key to that, if I was going to do that, if I was down to that place, you know, you could just tighten that, that stand there, John. It won't tighten anymore. Oh, okay. If the key to that would be to put a leader, put a leader yeah. in the chair because kids oh, would I think love what, to throw Right. It's like a, a dunking leader. booth. Yeah. You never put like – well, that's the comedy principle too. You punch down. Oh, wait, you punch up. Wait, you can't punch down. John, did you do comedy? I don't understand uh, comedy, guys. <laughs> if you punch down, it's bad. So if, like, you get up there and you're, like, a good-looking dude and you're picking on ugly people. If you're right. a skinny dude, you can't do fat jokes. Right. If you're a fat guy, you can do fat jokes, but only by people who are as fat as you. Do, do you Like, think- if you go down, if you go, like, that's all this lady. She was 400 pounds. It's like, you're now you're punching right. down. Right. So uh, it's weird. Even though she weighed more. She did. She weighed more. Weight. Technically, on the scales, as right. it were, I'm still... <laughs> punching down because she has weighted down her end of the seesaw no you, <laughs> but the, the well we did make up quite a few games this week like for example mm-hmm. you just look in your bucket and see what you have and we had uh plungers you know and so uh, jason and i came up with uh like plunger all kinds on, of games plunger on the head well, yeah, like one is you had to balance a plunger on your head. And the little kids, by, by the way, girls, we would discover girls that had like uh, pigtails or buns, that's really a problem. Like they, it doesn't stick to their, it won't yeah, stay. There's no suction. So then you got to well, leaders, you can help them. But, Will you a know, plunger stick to hair with hair stick, on it? not stick, but you can balance it. You can balance oh, it. So they're running, you know. Depending how high, how high their right. whatever is. Right. They, 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 so if they have something on their head. And then like Jason had a great idea. You would take a balloon and they have to balance the balloon in the air with the plunger as they walk around a certain thing. So we just made like five different plunger games and the plunger. And then you tell the kids that we got the plunger. Are these clean plungers? Well, you tell the kids that you got them out of the bathroom. And then, oh. I mean, the thing in the old Make days. Make it a little damp. In the, in the, although we, there was one plunger that we only had three. We needed four. And Pastor Roy came up with another plunger, and he literally wasn't sure where it came from, oh, so he boy. bleached it all over. But we figured out later. Long that, story short, all your kids have E. coli. <laughs> we we figured out that it was from his game room. We just so oh, he saw gosh. a mark on it or something where he had marked it. So where he had stirred paint with it or something. So okay, here's hoping that was brown paint. Anyway, yeah. no, the truth was they were all clean plunger plungers. But the kids these days, when I was young, yeah. they would tell us gross stuff, and we thought that made it great. Like you remember when we used to sit around the camp pool. And I remember there was literally one year I was pretty pretty young that the guy told us all. He wouldn't let us jump in. And he said, listen, guys, I want you to raise your hand if you've ever peed in this pool. 
And nobody raised their hand. He goes, oh, guys, listen, I have a friend that works down at the FBI. Oh, right. And he has a way. When you signed up, we I don't know why he, how he convinced us, but he had a way of convincing us. We were like eight. Right. That, that FBI guy could figure out via testing the water which one of us had peed in the pool. So I now want you to be honest and raise your hand. And, dude, kids everywhere, hands started going up. Yeah, yeah. He was like, all right, thank you for your honesty. You know, y'all jump in. And all the kids then, after finding out we'd all peed in the pool, just all jumped right in. Right. Like it was nothing. But nowadays, you tell a kid that the plunger may have been used in the bathroom. This, there's such a germaphobic thing going on. Yeah. Like their faces, they were literally disturbed. They were disturbed by it. So I had to tell them, no, I'm yeah. just kidding, guys. The plungers are clean. Plungers what kind are of clean. sanitized kids. I want my kid to want to stick her hand in the toilet, Johnny, Thank like you. we did when we were kids. Yeah. Childhood. It's a rite of passage. Yeah. You, you pass something <laughs> and then you. Grab it. <laughs> then you pass it to the next kid. It's a contest. It's a different kind of relay. It is. Relay. It's a weird. <laughs> this isn't the baton. I anyway, yeah. no, you're right. Uh, but I think I read that, though, that if you dip your kids in Purell their whole life, that they're more likely to get sick because we need certain yeah. germs. But having said that, you're a big Purell guy. Aren't you? Doesn't Sadie, like, avoid things? Mm, she you does. Over, you overparent, right? Mm. You're protective? You know what? I don't think we overparent. I think some of it has come naturally from her. We're almost like, yeah, go play in the dirt. You know, like, you're trying to... And she does. She plays in the dirt like she planted things yeah. this week on okay. her own. So she does that. But then you never know when she's going to be kind of germaphobed on things. So she's not a germaphobe. But if she, she found a worm while playing in the dirt, would she be grossed she'll out? She'll pick up a worm. She'll pick up a worm. She'll pick up a worm. Um, I'm trying to think of what she wouldn't pick up. But there are – I don't know. Like, But there are things that if it's if we're near the table – like that's the thing. Yeah. She knows to wash your hands good for then. So, like, if a piece of food falls on the floor, you know, it depends on what it is. Is it a chicken nugget? Right. If it's got a crispy outside, how long has it been there? Right. Uh, I thought the other day I dropped a Pringle on the floor. Mm-hmm. And this may go into my uh, my next book. because There's less is, surface area because yeah, of the curved edges. The less edges. surface area, as long as it fell the, cert- the right way. Right. Like, well, only the edges have right. barely touched. That's, if it's a Ritz where it's flat, right. that's then you're gone. probably going to throw that's it gone. away. But a Pringle, you know what? Why not? Do you blow on it? What do you do? What's your process? Well, if you blow on it, you might blow off all the cool cheddar cheese or whatever. Oh, so, no, right. you just make a decision. How clean is the floor? Number one. How yeah, long has the Pringle thing. been on there? I have there? dogs. That's not a good thing in my house. Yeah. Well, close. I have a dog. There's too. some hair. Yeah. Your I mean, dog doesn't shed. My dog's. No, he it's doesn't. It's a constant, just whirlwind of fur. My dog kept me up all night last night, by the way, again. Sick. Oh, so, broody. Yeah. He's winding it down, right? I, th- I don't know. Well, Laura was out of town for travel this week, and I think he's, he's just— grieving, maybe. So he goes on hunger strikes all the time. Yeah. And I think it finally just hits him, you know? So I took him out, and it didn't—he was What's his grass. political stance, this hunger strike? What's, I don't know what's what his he's, goal what kind or his of goals? change he's trying to affect in the world, <laughs> but without a voice, it's Does he really raise one paw and bark out, fight the power? What happens? <laughs> I don't know, man. I just uh, you can le- you can literally lead my daughter, my dog, not my daughter. Wow. Jeez, <sighs> pets, children up all night. Anyway, you got to parent them the same. It doesn't matter. You just, do. You just... put them outside. <laughs> let them go potty. <laughs> <laughs> the my HOA friend... is upset, but whatever. <laughs> my friends are little boys. That really is how it is. Well, he went in the yard again. It's yeah, like, wow, it's interesting. With a daughter, they don't do that. Yeah, you raise boys different, don't you? Just, you do. There's a lot more. Yeah, yeah, just my daughter. By the way, she may not be a germaphobe, but she is. She loves to like wrestle right now and okay. fight. But she doesn't know that punching you as hard as she can in your spinal cord mm. hurts. 
Just walk right. up and just hit you she right in the understand. spine. Well, because for a long time it didn't, and now it's like she's yeah. starting to get a little strength behind it. Well, she it. turns double digits next week or yeah. two weeks. Yeah. And so you're well, like. She's serving at volleyball. She's getting a little, yeah. little muscle tone. Something's but you happening. don't. But you see, there's a shame as a dad, though. Like, you can't you say can't, ow. Right. Mm-hmm. But you're trying to be like, hey, that actually hurt you know, when you punch me in the kidney as hard as you could. You say, let me show you punch her back. Is well, you not? can't punch her back. Oh. That's the thing. With the, you, I this can't, is why I don't have kids. I can't like she's it's my better. she's my daughter. I can't I can't roughhouse with her p- past a certain right. point. So like I still when we wrestle, sometimes she'll make me wrestle, and she'll get mad when I let her win. But she can't win. You know, like I have to let her win if she's going to win. Yeah. But then she's mad if she doesn't win. So it's like, you know, there's this. I so, think you're getting a little cocky. You think she can't, she could not win. A nine year old girl. Her finishing maneuver, like, we don't know what it is yet. It would be called something like the Sadie Stomper. If Sadie were to stomp, like, on my crotch, she might win. She might win. There's that's only a one. There's, there's only, but, but, like, strength wise, you know. Yeah. Oh, she's not listening to this right now. She just <laughs> discovered the key to victory. But when you do it, it's like, but the same thing is, is she's still a little girl. So, yeah. like, if I'm a little too rough, it'll hurt her, you know. So I can't. But you think, so if you think if you had boys, you'd be roughhousing by now. There'd be a lot more going on. I think so. And we are roughhousing. You'd, you'd be putting a nine-year-old boy in the figure four leg lock. Oh, absolutely. And being like, see if you can reverse this. Right. Right. And not let the boy, there's a rite of passage to where someday he actually does beat you and you're both worried about getting hurt for real. Yeah. But with a girl, I just, I can't bring myself to like anything that would hurt her. Like we do this thing where she stands with her arms raised and I come in underneath her arms and flip her up almost. And she's like, okay. and she's now on my shoulder, like totally with her legs, like Superman pose. And then I flip oh. her back down. So we were doing it upstairs during the wreck, during the games and, and, yeah. and messing around. Well, then I started flipping her around, all around and held her, And she started, so she was upside down, her back, and her legs started to go where I could, and I felt her little back pop a little bit, and it kind of oh. hurt. And I grabbed her and pull, pulled her back up, and she was like, ah, "I kind of hurt, Daddy," and it killed me. Right, Kill, like it bothered me the rest of the day. In my mind, it's just a thing. It's you like, broke your kid. Yeah, like protect, protect your girl, especially. But you were just playing. I was. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, you know, I can. Can you do that with me? The whole flippy thing. We can try sounds, it after the podcast. That sounds really fun. You know, this would be a good time to video something. We need to involve like a trampoline and a a crane. Johnny, you sort. might be a two man lift. I don't know. Yeah. I don't mean that mean. No, it's not. But I don't. And it's not because of you. It's because I'm not strong. That's all it is. It's yeah. It's very just because I'm not strong. That's very diplomatic. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I hope Brody's demands are met either way. So I watched, speaking of which, watch this documentary. About a dog Six and a part. Story? No. Sort of. No. Six-part CNN thing on Patty Hearst. Do you know about Patty Hearst? Is this related to the newspaper Hearst? William Randolph Hearst, the newspaper magnet. He Is that owned what they like, call it? Yeah, he was like a big, yeah. Would you call him a a newspaper? No, he was a news. He was like a magnet. He owned a bunch of other businesses. I think that's like when you're when you're big, wealthy, and you have a. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, I got a lot of words in my head, but he I'm owned, really sleep deprived. He owned a bunch of newspapers back then. That was like the thing. Oh yeah, like, that was the thing. You could use the news for your benefit. It was like, the height of yellow journalism. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, his granddaughter uh, was living with one of her professors from Cal Berkeley at the time. She she was like just become engaged with him. She was 19. He was 24, 25. 
was borderline inappropriate relationship. It started when she was like 16. That's that's all. What this, year is this? This is 1974. Oh, wow. So it's the height of student activism. There's, uh, you know, there had been the shooting uh, on the university. I think it was at Kent State. Yeah. There's stuff going on. It's, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It's, an, it's an unsettled time. Vietnam, the whole deal. And so this organization called the SLA, which was basically the Symbionese Liberation Army, which was just basically a bunch of criminals, like seven or eight guys, a lot of women too. So they would be like these uh, feminists, but they also believed in like military force. Like we're going to have a revolution and the military force is going to be required of this. So we're going to – so they started doing these crimes. They could they killed a guy. They killed like a professor or a uh, not a professor. They killed a uh, a school uh, uh, superintendent who was talking about we need more of a police presence in our schools because the kids aren't safe. Yeah, they thought that meant like well the police are going to be influencing. So they just like assassinated this guy. Wow. And then a few months later they uh, kidnapped Patty Hearst. And she, her name was on a list they found. Like, they're finding all these things in this documentary that people didn't know before. Like her name was on this hit list of people who they should. And I guess she was on there because she was kind of this princess of this. She was an heiress in essence to William Randolph Hearst. Although she didn't seem like – she just lived in an apartment. It was in California, but I mean it was the 70s and she didn't look like she had a ton of money to me. Yeah. But anyway, she had access. But she had a name. Yeah, she had a name. Yeah. So they knew it would make noise. So they, they kidnap her. And the story was, and, and you might not know any of the story at all, but you'll remember this part. She, she, <laughs> there's a big cheer, a big the cheer for kidnapping. That's yeah, great. That's weird. It's a weird moment. But anyway, so they, they kidnap her. They, they have her for like 60 days, just like, depending on who you ask, she was like the kidnappers are talking in this documentary that I'm watching. It's the first time they've ever interviewed like. Were they in jail? Well, they're out now. The ones oh, who okay. lived. Because a bunch of them got killed yeah, uh, in this big standoff with the police. But there's a couple that lived. And one, the guy who's talking now for the first time is saying, she was totally cordial with us. And they basically brainwashed her to hear her talk, to hear them talk. She was looking for something to get behind. So by the end of like 60 days, they decide they're out of money. They go rob a bank and she's holding a gun. Wow. She's in. So the famous photo of Patty Hearst is she's holding a machine gun while they rob a bank together. So now this whole thing of like, when will they return Patty Hearst? Is she going to be killed by them? Now she's she's sending these communiques. She is them. She's back and she's part of it. And so that's where we get like Stockholm Syndrome and, we, you know, because she's out now. She was pardoned by the president for her crimes, which were numerous because she convinced them that she was just a part of this thing uh, to appease them and it got in her mind and whatever. But there were many chances, like all along the documentary parts, there's all these chances where people say like, I'll drive you home. Not the, not the, uh, SLA people, but just like regular people were like, I recognize you. I'll take, she was like, get out of here. Like she did. She rescued them one time. One guy was pinned down by the cops and she started firing a machine gun over their head so that the guy could get away. <laughs> wow. She could have just driven the car away. Wow. So it's fascinating that whole thing. And so it kind of, that was the first part of our, the news media's fascination with uh, Stockholm syndrome, meaning you start to f- uh, sympathize with your captors, captors right? Uh, and you hear that Stockholm syndrome reference all the time with like abusive relationships. We, you know, it's coming up now with the whole Me Too movement of like, uh, an, and if you're in an abusive relationship, you you feel it's necessary to defend. Sometimes there's like it's almost like a cult like mm-hmm. mentality, mm-hmm. Uh, and you can't go against them because he's your leader or whatever. It's like that whole thing. So. 
I was fascinated by it, and I'm not through with it yet, but uh, it's like part four of six that I'm on. Is it on Netflix? It's on CNN Go, which is like an app on wow. Hulu or, that or is an app on uh, uh, Roku or whatever. But I didn't know you didn't know the story, and I didn't know all the story. It's fa- and, of course, she is discounting this guy's account of what's happening because she was saying, oh, they raped me, they tortured me, they, 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 they brainwashed me. This guy's like, none of that happened. She she was totally a dyed in the wool communist, ready to be, ready to be, you know, to join us. And, yeah, but uh, but how can you believe? You know, this is so so hard. How believable can the people who kidnap someone be? Right. You know, like, well, she didn't. She wasn't. She refused to be interviewed for this. You know. Yeah. I guess she saw no website and like telling her side of it anymore because she's told her side at different places in the in the media. I guess over the years. This happened when I was the year I was born, so I I didn't know a lot about it. I just knew about Patty Hearst. She took on another name, Tanya, which was like they all had nicknames once you join, and her nickname was like she was naming herself after some uh, Che Guevara, Bolivian revolutionary, somebody who stood behind beside him. So she was already like wearing the beret, holding the machine gun, wow. and all these photos. Crazy. Wow. But it's just fascin- fascinating as like a sociological uh, phenomenon of what happened. The kids loving it, by the way. They're cheering even even now. So speaking of the kids loving it. <laughs> so we were recording this yesterday. There's been a 24-hour gap. There has been a gap. We stopped recording because the kids – so every day during VBS, Johnny, yeah. <clears throat> they – did not do what they did yesterday. They went outside to play on on the inflatables. Right. But yesterday, Pastor Roy decided to do their big like. Oh, here's who won the points. And Twelve. The, you know. the points don't matter at VBS. Well, I hope kids aren't listening because I gave out points like you wouldn't believe. That's like how I'm camp mad. works. It's like eighty thousand points and woo. Well, I know. thought of a game too that I remembered from camp that I remember really thinking was funny and awful to to do to kids is smearing the marshmallow cream on a kid's face. <laughs> And then one kid stands back and throws Fruit Loops yeah. or Cheerios. Yeah. And how many Cheerios stuck to the face? That's right. how many points. And by the end of it, like the body heat from the kid oh, yeah. would melt the cream. It would be so shiny and glistening and dripping. I mean, like in their eyes. It was like they were melting. It's like a candle yeah. melting. It didn't. It's terrifying. And the thing was, whether or not their expressions underneath reflected yeah. it, on the outside, it looked like they were being tortured. It did look like it, Scream or something. It, Michael Myers, yeah, it had yeah. that vibe to it of like, I am I'm, throw Cheerios at me now, I'll be a serial killer tomorrow. <laughs> serial killer. And that's what happened. Listen, and I heard there was a little boy that came to camp one time, mm-hmm. and they played that game with him. And today, He's we know him Manson. as Marilyn Manson. <laughs> remember that, remember that whole thing, it's that whole story? Is everyone how many how many? It'd be funny if there was a there needs to be a story like that where the kid just ended up being successful. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that kid. They mocked him. They teased him. Steve Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Today he has revolutionized many African countries with his giving. Yeah, because yeah. that's yeah. what happens normally. Chris Rock has a bit about that about how we've gotten rid of bullying and we think it's a good thing. Right. But he's like, who's going to cure AIDS? Somebody that was bullied. Oh, absolutely. Like it, bullying, there's something about bullying that makes you kind of go. I'm not saying all bullying is good. I'm saying conflict can create things. Right. To be clear, everyone, we don't. <laughs> in- <laughs> I'm saying Chris Rock thinks bullying is good. I don't necessarily agree. We don't I think endorse, it's funny that he would say that. We think bullying is horrible. But I think, I think there's very. Varying- Some things are called bullying that are not bullying. I was going to say that. Okay. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's certain things that when we were kids, it probably had some elements of bullying. Right. But like. 
the the shaming and the isolating on social media to yeah. the point that your entire character we didn't know that stuff. No, and there might have been none of the old eighties movies and nineties movies. The note would get you know put on yeah. all the lockers or whatever. and that stuff absolutely. When there are those moments of isolation, but I think. I think that there were a lot of things that were just conflict in childhood that yeah. today. It- yeah, the idea of like somebody makes fun of your shirt, you're, you wear a shirt that looks dumb, and then your friends go, that's a dumb looking shirt. That's not bullying. Right. That's just like, like guys do that to each other just to be dumb. I mean, you get put up in front of the whole school and they all point right. Laugh, right. So that's there, there, different. there's these lines, there's these lines Like of- to put the bucket of blood on the rafters, that's one thing. <laughs> to tip it over on the person, that's... That's bullying. Yeah. <laughs> no, they, bullying. Those kids deserve what happened. Anti-bullying <laughs> America. Not a sponsor. That's um, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Why don't you speak in schools more, John? I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were talking when we – so we actually stopped yesterday. Yeah. We thought we'd go get something to eat and come back. So we went and ate a greasy burger at Culver's, <sighs> and that was awesome. My favorite thing was on the way you said, they have a salad. <laughs> They do have a I great think, I salad. I said, see, salad. I'm bunching him in the face. Well, I didn't want to shame you. That was the thing. You that would have been bullying. Were, exactly. You were excited about the burger. And I ordered first. It. I really made it a point to order first because I wanted to set the tone that, John, a salad is not acceptable today. You know what? And I, I followed. I followed suit. Now, I got off the snack pack menu. Did you? I did. So it was that did not small, look like a snack It was a small fry. Oh, okay. So it was but a, the burger was full the size. The burger was huge. <laughs> it was the that was gr- not a snack It was like a burger. mushroom Swiss, but it was good, though. It was yeah, good. good. I actually, look, they have the... Um, Mushrooms are vegetables. Well, they are, and they have the calories now posted up there. Oh, you don't want to see so that. And so if you look at it, but they're in a range. It's like if you get the, if you get just the burger, it's this, and if you get burger and fries, it's like this range is like, it could be 600 to like 1,300. Yeah. You're like, depending on what you put on it. I'm like, mayo. Hold the mayo, so which I, I don't like mayo anyway. You were ordering off the... the nutritional range that was going up as high as like 1300 I didn't look I ordered off the menu that the range went up at like as high as like 950 so okay. it's still almost an entire day's worth of calories but right. I just made a more sensible horrible decision so oh, that's nice. if you're going to make a horrible Good decision make it more sensible so, yeah, so we come back from Culver's and now they're the VBS is over, but they're cleaning the they're building. Cleaning. So there's vacuuming. We literally had lawnmowers. There's worship music kids. going on. I don't want to interrupt the person. They're moving chairs right above us. Yeah. Like, no, I don't mean on the on the floor above us. I mean, like, right above us somehow. You never want to go over to somebody and be like, hey, I know. I appreciate everything you're doing for the church. Can you shut off that worship music so we can film our dumb podcast? Hey, could you quit vacuuming while we're yeah. <laughs> while we're doing nothing of value? So, yeah. And I did work hard this week there, Joni, and I feel bad, though, because our VBS volunteers may listen to the podcast and then right. wonder why I disappeared and now they're going to know. You went to Culver's. They told you. you told yeah, I, them. I actually hid down in the passenger seat while we drove past them. You did. You slunk down like you were in the witness protection it's horrible. program. Which reminds me, Patty Hearst. Oh wow, Johnny, you, did you see really, that segue? Segue does right. No one would have ever known that had I not called attention to it. So you were talking about the fact that she became sympathetic to the plight of her captors. She did and losing her rest, own plight. I watched the rest of it last night, and uh, it's fascinating. She was. Uh, she got. Time in jail for the bank robbery. Okay. So she was kidnapped but still got put in jail. Here's the thing. She went on. This went on for over 18 months where she was with the SLA. Mm. She committed numerous crimes. They were they started doing bombings. They put bombs under police cars. And they were so bad at it that most of these bombs did not kill anybody. Like hard, none of the bombs killed anybody. And most of the bombs didn't do much damage. They were really bad at making pipe bombs, evidently. Yeah. This was the 70s. Maybe pipe bombs have come a long way. I don't know. Right. 
Uh, sure, sure. You don't know. I, <laughs> <laughs> That's our official statement. Yeah. But anyway, uh, it's kind of a comedy of errors, like watching them talk about these bombs and how they didn't work or the, the documentary. But she was involved, literally planted one of them. So, I mean, that alone should be a huge uh, sentence. But again, she was able to her. Okay, so this is when F. Lee Bailey, I didn't know this. F. Lee Bailey was her lawyer who went on to be like, he, when he, by the time he represented O.J., he was on O.J.'s team. Mm. So by then, he was already a legend. But back then, he was just coming into his own and was like the star. He was the Johnny Cochran of his day. Yeah. And so it was like, if you know you're guilty, get this guy. And they had enough money to get this great defense. But then they decided to let her testify, and meaning she could be cross-examined. And she just crumbled under cross-examination. Because she's saying, oh, they did all this. They tortured me. I was in a totally different state. But they had all these tapes of her saying, look, I'm, I love these people and I'm with them. And, and all could, the – but she could she always crimes. claim – she could always claim I was doing this out of fear for my life. Right. And I had to play that role. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what she did. She said uh, once she kind of – they kind of did their job of deprogramming her, what they said. Yeah. Which basically was her – to me, what happened was she sat in prison long enough. She was like, I'm only getting out of this – if I turn my back on these people, right, and just own up to just go back to being an heiress, <laughs> wow. and that's what she did. Now, again, this is my opinion. Depending on what you think about, uh, I'm not saying that I don't believe that it's possible to have Stockholm syndrome and all that. Which Stockholm syndrome? I did some research on. It's named after a bank robbery where the hostages started to feel sympathetic towards their. You know, was like John Q. Remember that movie? Right, right, right. Where Denzel Washington. But there's never been a Stockholm Syndrome case where they committed crimes for that person. Mm. Feeling sympathy for your abuser is not the same as I will now hold a machine gun and spray all over this, you know, parking lot so you get away from the cops and then jump in the car with me and we take off. That's a crime. Yeah. So she could have just floored it and took off. So it's fascinating to watch and and then. She got uh, her sentence commuted by Jimmy Carter. So she was let out of jail after like three years, not not even three years, two years. Uh, it, was, it was an eight-year sentence for this bank robbery. Then uh, the other trials come up. She she did turn state's evidence. They didn't want a lot, her to be cross-examined again. So these other guys took a deal for the second bank robbery, which somebody was killed in that bank robbery, and she was the getaway driver, meaning she could have faced murder charges. She got away with that. She didn't ever face charges because she turned state's evidence. Uh, for immunity, and then Bill Clinton, the on the last day of his presidency, pardoned her. Uh, in the nineties, I thought she was already. No, I mean he completely like wiped her record clean. So she wasn't. On so when you had your sentence commuted, right, right. you still are like a felon. You were a convicted yeah, yeah. felon. So he wiped it. He clean. wiped it all clean. So literally, she has no record, and she can profit from her crimes because she can talk about them. And... She can talk about them now because she's she never just like she never did it. So if she wanted to write another book or. Profit from the book that she did write, she's allowed to now. It's fascinating. Wow. But that, all that to say, if she had never been kidnapped, she never would have done these things. That's true. So it is a sliding door thing of like, they did come into her life. She did not plan to be kidnapped. What happened to her as a 19-year-old girl was she was very easily manipulated and she got pulled into this life. And she, whatever for whatever reason, she was attracted to this rebellious thing they were, and they sold it to her. Or, to, if you hear her side of it, they, you know, brainwashed her and raped her and whatever else. I just, after watching this documentary, I just couldn't believe that she had ever been abused. I thought that she was, like, she romanticized this life of it's us against them. 
And uh, either way, she believed a lie. You know, she was either lied to in a systematic way, yeah, and it changed her behavior, or she believed a lie and bought it hook, line, and sinker, and became this convert to this religion, this in essence of anti-government, anti-police. And it's okay to bomb people, even if innocent people die. Like, it's crazy that she would ever think that this is okay, but she just, her mind was warped in some way. It's interesting. It's interesting you call it religion, too. I was listening to, I've been listening to a lot of old Switchfoot lately. And uh, the Nothing is Sound record may be one of the best ever. Yeah, it's underrated. It really is. It really is. And I didn't like it in the beginning as Mm -hmm. I've gotten older and gone back and uh, Dane liked it a lot. I've gone back and I realize, I think that I'm sure it was written back then that the thematic sort of inspiration for that album is Ecclesiastes. Yeah. There's so many lines in there, you know, uh, everything is meaningless, but he's, he's spinning those things off. But the reason I said that is that the line or the song about, is this the world you want? Is this the world you want? You're making it every day. You're alive, right? And he goes into the bridge and says, "You know, uh, what you say is your religion. What you do is your religion. Whom you love is your religion." And he just all these many, many lines. Yeah, and I think it's so true because we are we can become anti-religious, not realizing that by definition, the things that you hold dear, that you fight for, fight against, all yeah. those things, uh, they define. A belief system. Yeah. And and that belief system, whether or not you ascribe deity to it or not, absolutely is it is it is a mirror of religion. And then you could make the argument that the deity that you're ascribing power to is just yourself or the group of people that you are right. living by their belief systems. Which is that you know, you, you think about that when you were talking about the Stockholm syndrome and that, that idea of becoming sympathetic or becoming desensitized to Something that's happening to you. I mean, that, yeah. that that's an exact – I feel that in my life. I feel like how many times I find myself defending something that's killing me, <laughs> you know. And, right. And, and, and I believe in this – I believe we live in a fallen world, but I have it pretty good in this fallen world compared to a lot of people. And we start that comparison train and it's, it's you know, what did you say yesterday? A comparison is the thief of joy. Right. Yeah. I think that's Ch- Chesterton or C.S. Lewis. But, yeah. Yeah. And so, but when you do, you know, you, you look at your life and, and it's sometimes you forget <clears throat> that, that they're, that we're not okay. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not okay here. And, but your reality, I think some of that is a God reflected, a God reflected feature is that we can be, we can find ourselves okay in, in not okay situations. I think that's, we yeah. can find joy or happiness. Full life in an empty place. Yep. Yeah, but there's yeah, there's a thing of like being content, but also kind of being ill at ease and feeling like a foreigner. Yeah, that is built into this life, and it's built into people who aren't even believers. I find yeah, that feel out of place, uh, and they feel. But yeah, now it's about like what do we believe about ourselves, and and yeah, you're right though. This onslaught of like bad news and or just a, an over. Uh, an overwhelming amount of information that we were never supposed to necessarily have. And I know depending on what you believe about the sovereignty of God, well, God knew this was all going to happen and that there was going to be Facebook and there was going to be Twitter and every day we were going to look at it and it was going to make us sad and we didn't know why, but it is odd. It doesn't feel like we are wired to know everybody's business all the time. 
and compare ourselves to it. We talked about this many times before, but it is fascinating. And I think it's causing people to start to believe wrong things about themselves. And uh, I don't know. Well, if you if you instinctively – so, you know, there's, I think there's, there's two defaults in our instinctive belief that are cultural in today's age. One is that I'm supposed to be happy. Yeah. You know, happiness is that pursuit. Somebody texted me about it yesterday and, and – she said, a co-worker asked me, am I happy? And I, I, I've been hung up on the question the rest of the day. And yeah. so we talked about it. The number two thing is that we're supposed to understand everything. And, and I think I think that's what tortures us. It's that instinctive and, – and, and whether you're religious or not, it I find it interesting that that is the – epicenter of the biblical narrative it's it's the beginning yeah. the beginning conversation in the garden between mankind and enemy of mankind is that god is holding something back from you yeah and you're supposed to understand it and he understands it but he, he knows that you can understand see that's that's the subtle thing we always go well he the, the, the devil the serpent offered them sin and they no i mean let's let's really call it what it is what he offered them, the, the real lie wasn't right. the apple or whatever that was. The real lie was you're supposed to be able to understand things like God because you know you're made in his image. You know that he's – it's really a lie based upon God's goodness. You know he's already given you great things, but there's more. Mm-hmm. There's more that he's holding from you because he knows that if you if you knew this, you'd be like him. So he's acknowledging you're not like him yeah. but that you should be. And and that, you know, that you know, we haven't talked about it. Yeah, I mean, it's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So it's like it's knowledge. There's knowledge, and it's like we think of knowledge as this wholesome p- pursuit that's pure. Yeah, but it, we can be undone by that sometimes, where we just have no place in our life for mystery, no place in our life for things we can't understand, and no tolerance for things we can't understand. Right. And yeah, we're living in a generation for sure, my generation and the generation that came after us, they're they're um they're fatigued from too much information and yet it's not satiating this desire to just no, no, no more, no more. It's almost like Tower of Babel. Like we'll just keep building, we'll keep building. We and if we all just get together we can do this. And that inner default that causes them to believe that we could reach heaven. Yeah. That and it's a we're offended. We are offended by the idea that maybe we can't. I, so my wife and I had a little argument this morning before I came in, Johnny. I am shocked. What? And I, it wasn't really an argument. There was a pair of headphones there that are obviously Sadie's, and so I was thinking about the, she has two. So I was like, Hey, what are these pink headphones for? Because I thought I'm gonna add them into our podcast collection stuff for our guests and everything. We usually bring their own or whatever, but this yeah. was just, I'm just trying to have all the equipment in one place. And she goes, John, this is literally the third time <clears throat> that we've talked about the headphones. So they're from Sadie's school and all that, you know, she was really, really kind. It wasn't, I wasn't mad at her. I'm, I would say it if I was, I'm not just doing this for the podcast. <laughs> I became enraged in myself yeah. with the idea. And I, I, I disputed her. I was like, there is no way. That we've had this exact conversation three times. Now, right. I know my memory's bad, but there's no way I don't remember it at all. Yeah. So I think maybe you're exaggerating. Like, I mean, I went and, I'm, and she just stayed very gentle with me because obviously I wasn't in my right mind. But 
She played the audio back. This that's what I'm saying. And it's like, and then what I'm frustrated with is there's no way to know yeah. what you were saying is true or that we did it really happen three times. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to accept the real possibility that we talked about it three times and I am so finite and so not yeah. able to keep up with life that perhaps I can't it, it doesn't even make my memory banks. And that feeling of <sighs> fallibility and how how even on minor things it's offensive to me yeah it's offensive i'm offended at myself and then the implications of what that could mean that is am i really teetering this much am i am i am i teetering this much on on the edge of any given moment my mind is so limited it can't be trusted for even minor things and if that's the case much less great things or, or things that really matter in this life. And that so I mean obviously everybody probably doesn't dive bomb down that hole and I wasn't Over headphones. No. I wasn't thinking of it. But and, I know what you mean. Yeah, we're raising uh Well I'm saying our, the emotional reaction came because right. I think somewhere yeah. deep inside if we could ever come out and say it, that's why you feel that way when you forget something. You know? Yeah, we're being conditioned to uh and I mean not to bring the president into it, but I think he's just a product of who we are, meaning that defensiveness uh, to lash out that he definitely has that quality. Yeah. If somebody attacks me, I come back at them a hundred times harder. And there's a, as much as we look at that and go, God, this guy, we all have this thing of, we don't want to be wrong. Like being wrong is the worst thing rather than, you know, it's like appearing to be wrong. Like being wrong is like, we know we're wrong. Sometimes we all know it. We, we could say we're fallible, but this appearance of being fallible to another human being it's starting to work its way out of our culture as far as something that's acceptable. Right. We want to fight to the bitter end, uh, and and it never works. It never. We'd see it online. It never works out. You never say, "Well, I see your point. You've really made a difference." Right. And let's walk away. And it never works out. It's just who decides to get flustered and and just let the other person have the last word. Yeah. Who give? Who who decides? I'm not going to go any further because I could. No, and I think it comes down to, you know, Laura and I were talking yesterday, it comes down to we have this term now called my truth. Oh, right. Yeah, we you talked know. about that yesterday. Or was that me and you talking? We were talking at lunch. I can't even remember, Johnny. You my mind is so Your funny. truth. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> like, but, but. Living in my truth. When there's such a thing as my truth that, and I don't think we're saying like, there's, we're not saying that's my perspective. Yeah. We're not saying that, like, that's my interpretation. We're literally saying that my perspective and my interpretation is a truth. Yeah. Like, and your truth can also be a truth even if it's opposite from my truth. Right. Indisputable. <laughs> and, 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 and you're yeah. like, oh, oh, man. So, again, it goes back. It's the same conversation in the garden. It is you are a creator of truth. That's what it's saying. You are on the same level as creator, not creation. And and I hate it. If you're listening to this right now and you are you are suspect, you you have suspicions of anything faith based, then it's like if I say the words creator creation, you know, I can because I've been cynical much of my life. There are times I'll hear a Christian say things and I yeah. will roll my eyes. <laughs> right. Like 
for, just because whatever they're saying is not my version truth of Christianity. So right. I literally, or your vernacular even. Like if they use a word, you're like, oh, I wish you hadn't said it that way. Oh, exactly. Oh, absolutely. And I let vernacular and I let language and I let dialect and I let lexicon and all these things determine whether or not that idea mm-hmm. is something I will even be willing to process, which is by definition ignorance. Yeah. Like when I when I can't open my mind to conversation to hear because I have already prejudged, by the way, the definition of prejudice, I am now prejudging that because of the words you use or because of the way that you look or because of the background you were in. And, some, and, and, and I get that there's validity to some of that. Mm-hmm. I don't think we should be open to everything. But it's funny how sometimes we become so – defensive of our own viewpoint that the only other viewpoints that would allow our viewpoint to be challenged, we completely cut off. It's like we're colorblind and then we refuse to acknowledge, acknowledge that colorblindness is a thing. If you like, if you're colorblind and you refuse to, to say that colorblindness is even a thing, then it's double blindness. Now right. it's like, not only do you have it, <laughs> you can't acknowledge that it exists and right. so if someone tried to tell you, hey, there's these new lenses that would correct your colorblindness, you're like, colorblindness is not a thing. You literally can't hear right. the person. Right, to say, like, I can't see green, so there is no green. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and that, by that same token, I think a lot of people who grew up in church need to to open their mind to the thought that their lens on things isn't necessarily always right either. In other words, like... We're coming up with this, you know, we've got the refugee crisis. We've got all this stuff happening and we were raised to think a certain way about it. And now we've talked in the past about how nationalism has weaved its way in to Christian culture. And so that's a lens. Those are lenses that come in and you view the world through them and they become twisted up with, uh, you know, uh, what we would call truth. And some of it's just like, man, you need to. You know, you're not seeing the whole palette. You're colorblind in a way, you know. Absolutely. No, I, I, I think that, and I'll use this word lightly, but real truth should have a level of, if it's actually changing your life, you could call that even offensive. The things that have really changed me were things that were offensive to me in the beginning. But the great offense wasn't the truth itself. It was that you're saying, I, like you said, you're saying that I don't already have it. Yeah. You're saying that you're saying that something is not right in me. But the essence of learning is to say there is something I do not know. The smartest, right. the wisest people are those who know the areas where they have wisdom yet to gain and the areas where they know they have none. You would be a fool to be on an airplane and someone is, is having a major, me- major medical you know, issue. And because you watched Grey's Anatomy, you think you could create a trach out of a, a ballpoint pen. You know, like you would have to know your limitations to go, I'm not really a doctor. And that wasn't really a medical education. Like wisdom there is to know that you don't know. And I think that that's the wisdom the most that we have lost. And myself, I, I, this has been the great, the great, I guess, revolution of my life is to wake up and go, wow, there's a bunch of stuff that I really was confident in mm-hmm. that I'm not. It's like confidence has come by me losing confidence in a whole lot of things. And it causes I'm trying to and then every day trying to do it more and more to go, you know, the, the, and that's, that's all throughout any, not just scripture of, of, of what we would think, but any, any sort of philosophical slant from all cultures would say the path to learning 
is a path of humility. The path to learning is a path is what C.S. Lewis calls the Tao. He writes about in the abolition of man about even across various religions that there is this there is this understanding and acknowledgement of morality, morality based upon the fact that there is something higher than me. I'm right. not supposed to create it. I'm supposed to adhere to it and discover yeah. it and learn more about it and be changed by it. And in, in its essence, that humility is the basis of all growth. Right. You think about kids. I had the conversation with Sadie yesterday. She's so offended when I correct her. She was interrupting, doing things. I'm watching it. I'm watching it have ramifications in her in her nine ten year old friendships. Uh-huh. You know, all kids are doing it. She's not a bad kid. It's not a thing. But it's whether or not. And I go, hey, hey, baby, let me tell you, when you keep interrupting this, this is happening here and here and here. Fine, like it's this. Yeah. And I go, darling, I'm almost forty years old. You know, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't hurt your feelings that I see something that you can't see at nine. You have a blind spot that all of us had at nine, and some of us still have at thirty-nine. And the path to, but the, the, obviously, though, it, you trust me to feed you, to drive you. You trust me to protect you at night. You trust me for all these things. If you can't trust me, though, to be able to point out things in your life yeah. that you can't see, that you don't know, and it's okay. She's offended that she doesn't know, and it's embarrassing. Yeah. And, 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 and I think that we're just embarrassed. We're just shamed as a culture. And so we overcompensate, uh-huh. and we start acting like we know everything, and then we start calling all the people who have a perspective other than ours to be to be something – Horrible. We make monsters out of them so we don't have to listen to what the monster says. Yeah, sometimes I think like a comfort level uh, that we have makes it harder because we're wired uh, to elevate ourselves. Um, like we may, I may have shared this before, but there's a comedian named Ken Davis, and he used to talk about the difference between cats and dogs. Yeah. And he say there's the difference between a humanist and somebody who uh, believes in God. A theist, he says, like a, he goes. I have a dog and I have a cat. I have a dog and I, I, the dog looks at me like you feed me, you give me a roof over my head, you take care of me, you brush out my hair. You must be God. And my cat's like you feed me, you brush out my hair, you give me a place to stay, you take care of me. I must be God. Right. It's like so. There's that. There's that thing of like sometimes contentment can take us the other direction. Yeah, we're like I deserve this. Yeah, I'm the maker of this. You know, there's even a scripture that talks about uh, that they'll worship the creation. And we always think of that meaning like, oh, like Native Americans worship trees. No, ourselves. We we're are a creation. creation. Yeah. And that's what, you know, like, so it's so easy for us to worship ourselves and not realize it, that we're elevating ourselves to this level. Well, and that's the thing. We use the word worship and that turns us off to it. That's that, you know, that vernacular colorblindness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What all worship means is, you know, who do you defer to? Where does your energy go? What is your time spent defending? What is your time spent improving? What mm-hmm. is your, you know, what what do you get unintentionally angry about? And so, yeah. So when you're you're exactly right. When I'm the one, when you question my knowledge and that creates this, this knee jerk, reaction within me, then it proves I am at least an object of my own worship because I am the one I'm defending the most. And then, and it's inside. I think we all have that 
to some extent. Yeah. But when we sell out to it, but I want it to, I want it to change. <laughs> you know, I want it to change. Um, I had this thought the other day. You know, if you were out in the woods and you needed fire, you know, desperately, then that you could rub sticks together and do all the things that you see on Bear Grylls and and all those shows. And but if you've ever really tried to make a fire, and I, I did some camping programs, boy camping programs, and things as a kid, and man, making fire without a match or a mm-hmm. lighter is is a bigger deal than you might think. You know, yeah. to generate that kind of heat I've with the airflow and all those things. So, <laughs> and um, you were serious, weren't you? No, I've never been able to do it. I've Have never... you tried it with sticks? Yeah, yeah. No, it's so you've done it. When you're a kid, you try. <clears throat> you see yeah. all the things. Yeah, you experiment, and and you could make something that will burn you, but yeah, you get hot enough. You can create friction enough that it hurts, but not enough to like. Well, it's... I had corduroy pants as a kid, and I was pretty chubby, <laughs> so I know about friction. But I'm. <laughs> <laughs> but the easiest way to produce fire when well, you can do all that energy, yeah, is for someone else to walk up who already has it. You know, they have a hot coal, or they have something that's already been on fire. Uh, or they make a fire, and then you go over and get a burning stick out of it, and now suddenly you have fire. And I think I think about all of my of my talk and my my theological thought and depth and all these things. And we're talking about lives being is your life being changed? Is mm-hmm. do you see your life being changed? And and but I feel like sometimes I'm just I'm just rubbing sticks together trying to convince, and it's hot. Yeah, it's producing heat. And, and there's this – we're pointing out the friction and all those things. But but really, the, the way if I want to prove to you that this fire is a real thing would be that I had some. Yeah. You know, that I could say to you guys – And I didn't get it from myself. Right. I could say, hey, here, look. This is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. And and I think that if that – you know, if that thing in me is that my life is being changed, <clears throat> I can tell you – that for uh, and this this is not just getting old. I've known lots of people who got older and they got more and more stubborn and more and more um, defensive of their viewpoint and all those things. I'm telling I'm telling you that I really feel like Christ has done something and is doing something in me that causes me <clears throat> to rejoice in looking at my own ignorance. That is causing me to to be open to change and to listen to viewpoints I've never had. And we were, we haven't acknowledged it up to now. And, you know, when we lost Weston, you know, our friend, uh, we had like 40, 50 young adults who used to be our students. And you were there, Johnny, yeah. at my house that Friday night after the visitation before the funeral the next day. And um, just lots of, it was, it was, cathartic and comforting you know in some ways to all be together yeah and we were just eating pizza and eating snacks and hanging out on the deck or inside just uh, <clears throat> there were just conversations going on everywhere and and people were reminiscing and and thinking and they were very sad but there was a lot of funny stories to be told and it was just it was what community should be you know it was yeah. a moment to really be together and, and lots of people walk up and, and they're introducing their spouses or they're talking about their kids because we haven't seen them people are living all over the place and, right you know and you know, the thing that I always worry about is that I'm just, I'm just hot air to them. And that as I'm trying to state 
that there's something new and different happening. I mean, you're almost like the boy who cried Jesus. You know, they heard yeah. you their whole lives. <laughs> you know, oh, it's the boy who cried Jesus again. Of course he cries Jesus. That's what he does. And you want to go, you know, I don't think that my words are enough. I mean, I, I can truthfully say that my understanding of the church, my understanding of um, what Jesus is doing in me and how he's rescuing me has changed. But I don't know if I have done a good job yet. I think the only way to do it is to is to show you the bad. I'm going to have to show you what was bad about me. And I got some who, who won't accept that. You're right. They can't. Oh, no, no, you're not that bad. You're not that bad. It's always that bad. You know, oh, no one's perfect. But and, and there's this vast eternal chasm between no one's perfect, but you're not that bad. And, and yeah. we say it so simply. But, man, there is a there is an absolute distance between there that we philosophically and theologically we don't know what we're saying that's a huge huge deal but to say no guys listen i acted like i wasn't that bad and this is not about some traditional conventional sin thing i didn't have i wasn't embezzling i wasn't having an affair or all those things i was worse i thought myself to be good enough i thought myself internally to be worthy of a little bit of worship, not God level, but a little bit. And it was, it kept me from understanding new levels, of the fullness of God's, of God's truth for me, mm-hmm. that he was patient with me through it and even it caused good things to happen. But it was just some hot sticks and it probably wasn't the fire that you needed to see. And I want to show it now and I don't know, I don't know how to do it, <laughs> but yeah. I'm, I'm trying to say, no, no, no. Hey, there was a better way. There was a right. better way than all this work that's wearing you out. There was a better way than just do your devotions. There was a better way than just trust in in Pastor John's theological knowledge of apologetics or whatever. There's a better way than pithy answers and alliterated sermons. Yeah. There's a better way than being passionate in worship. There's a better way than, than responsiveness. There's a better way than even taking a leadership role. Like, Yeah, there's way. something about just believing that God loves you. And, you know, we were kind of raised – to this thing of like, God loves you the way you are and he loves you too much to let you stay that way. We, we, they immediately had to follow it up with now get working on this stuff. Yeah. And I'm not saying that God won't change you because he absolutely does. There's a thing of, I believe in sanctification. I believe that he transforms, but I also believe that like, if you don't believe the first thing wholeheartedly, yeah. you're not going to get to that step. If you immediately follow it up with like, yes, but and I read this tweet the other day and it really wrecked me. It was about the prodigal and it was basically, we read the prodigal all the time and we almost read it like the prodigal son changed his heart towards his father when he came back and he was decided I'm going to be a different son. Now I'm going to do, that's not true at all in the story. He was just broke and broken and he came home because he was devastated and the dad did not, the father did not think, well, he'll have learned. You know, he just said, my son is home. And this idea that the prodigal had changed before he came back, it already, we've already worked legalism into the mix. Yeah. That's not the story. It, the, the father was 100% okay with the thought of, finally, he's back. There's There's this thing of like, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. You know, I used to watch this. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, Say Anything. You ever seen Say Anything? Oh, yeah. So there's a story where she breaks up with him. Lloyd Dobler's the character. And he's this like, 
you know, he's, he's falls in love with the, this girl and then she breaks up with him and because she's pressured to by her dad. And then she takes him back after realizing like, you know, this was a huge mistake. And he's like, she's like, I love you. And he says, are you saying that because you really love me or because you don't want to be alone? And then she starts to answer and he goes, "Never mind, I don't care. And then he just holds her, you know? And I think there's something to that. Like, you know what? God will fix the other stuff. Like if we, if we'll just come, even if it's in our brokenness, even if it's because we're at our wits in and we've tried everything else, every drug, every, everything, but we're at this place where we desperately need him and we're aware that he might take us back. You're starting to kind of glimpse what the real thing is. I think you're right. And the, the legalist in me, it's that we do, we do, you said it. We have the butts. We want to counterbalance yeah. the statement. And I, this has been the most revolutionary thing to me. If, if your counterbalance but statement here is, yeah, but are you saying that it doesn't matter what we do? Then, because we could just keep doing whatever we want. That's that's heresy. About you know, I would say, hey, there's a lot of validity, absolutely, to what you're saying. But until the kind of love of the Father that we are actually showing and actually talking about causes that question to be asked then we haven't gotten to the to the radical fullness of it yet because that's the same question Paul asked are you saying we can continue in sin that grace may abound if our conversations lead us to a place where somebody on the other side feels a need to balance what I'm saying about God's radical love by asking that question I feel that I'm in good company because that's exactly the kind of grace that Paul talked about, mm-hmm. meaning it made – he was a Pharisee and he foresaw what his reader would ask. Yeah, he, he saw the counterbalance there. So it needs to be enough that you shift in your chair to go, that uh, – something's not – wait, you mean the father didn't care what he – the father absolutely cared what he did. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting too that Paul – I always think about Paul too because he's used as an example in so many of our sermons and of course he wrote half the New Testament but – to my way of thinking, he's one of the few educated people that God was ever able to use. And he had to radically uh, do something completely crazy to Paul. It's almost like I have to blind you and knock you off your horse to show you that you're already blind. Like I have to yeah. I have to do something super drastic to this educated person. Right. Whereas the fisherman, he was just like, come follow me. They were like, cool. They dropped their nets. Right. Paul is like, wait a minute, because he overthinks, just like we're talking about. He has to have the answers for anything. He thinks he already has the answers. Well, I know the answer. The answer is this is a you're these are heretics and they're uh, an affront to the truth, and I got to imprison them and kill these people. Nope, you're wrong. And here, let me show you why. But he had to do something drastic. He blinds Paul. He knocks him off his horse. Three days, he's blind. Then he causes him to be healed by a guy. Follow this guy. Go to this guy's house. And so there's all that that journey of Paul that that we kind of ignore, but it's like, that's part of the deal. When we, we put our education and our knowledge above just this thing of like, it's just, I don't know. It's so weird to think like now to say to somebody, well, it's just about love and it's God's love. And I used to be offended when people would say that, like it would bother me when people would say that, like they were minimizing the gospel to say that God loves everybody and he wants everybody. When the truth is that's such a, that's what it is. That's the miracle of it all. You know? Absolutely. And I think that the key to that is 
if people say, are you saying that this is grace only, grace only? It's not a grace only message. It's a grace first message. Right. And that, that's, that's the turn that matters. No, no, I never said it's all that. I never said that Jesus doesn't change you. I never said that Jesus d- disregards sin. Jesus died, you know, because right. of sin. God hates sin, and and the the reason is is he he wasn't hating just the act of this, the prodigal son spending his money on prostitutes and being used by all of his friends. It wasn't like the the impersonal, you know, I just hate this inanimate thing that yeah. you're doing. This action. He hated the fact that his son was was literally being lied to, abused, was yeah. being exploited, and was away from his protection in the relationship. So, yeah, he hates it. He hates it because of love for his son. So, if 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 we just make like our actions, this oh God hates all these things outside of a grace being in you know where it should be in that equation, Mm -hmm. that love has to come first. If you have a message of Jesus where love does not come first, then you don't have a message of Jesus. I mean, it's, it's, then you hate what the apostle John wrote and you hate what the apostle Matthew wrote. Like you don't believe what they're saying. (laughs) It's, it's not what it is. You can quote it, you know, but it's not what they were saying because it was, it was offensively radical and it still is. And so anyway, I know we Well even when we call out regular when we call out fellow Christians like we do sometimes, we say, Oh, these fellow Christians uh they get it wrong or they blow it or they're legalists or all that. Jesus did all that and we do that and it's Twitter's full of people who call out heretics. And the thing about Jesus is, yes, he flipped over the tables, he made a whip, he ran people out of the temple, and then a few days later he died for those people. Yeah. So even the people who were completely in the wrong, he laid his life down for them. And I think that's the example. We got to figure out a way to be in disagreement with people and still lay down our life for them. That's the hard part. Wow, that's good. And if you see yourself in that story, everybody was wrong but Jesus. Yeah, his disciples, the Pharisees, everybody is a villain in the story but Jesus, and He died for all of them. And so, yeah, it's easy. You can be the godless. You can be the. You can be the absolute um, God fearing legalist on all yeah. of these things everyone everyone's equal in need of a savior so wow hey that was good we're we're a little out of time today johnny uh, <clears throat> it's actually been two days so we shouldn't be held accountable we no were, it's two days yeah. worth of by the way this is off subject but kind of on subject i wanted to say this when you're talking about the campfire thing why was there never a series of campfire grills called bear grills why did he not monetize that <laughs> <laughs> like they could be almost shaped like a little bear, <laughs> like an outdoor camping grill. Dude, we, you know what? Guys, get in touch with us. Bear Grills, if you're listening, Please. there's a chance he's a listener. I don't know what he's doing now. There's, there's a good his, chance. His window is probably passed, right? Actually, no. Wasn't he's, it, he's on like NBC or something else uh, doing that celebrity. But wasn't it kind of discovered that like he was, he was staying in hotels and stuff and none of that was real? No, Yeah, no. he was one of those guys. No, John. I'm going to research it and come back. <laughs> Gosh, you were going to be that guy. He was, I'm saying like. Don't trust your own knowledge, bro. I'm telling you, I think there was stuff going on. Like he wasn't really. No, I think the deal was that there were times that what you saw in three days happened over the course of two weeks. And so in between, yeah, maybe. <sighs> I don't mean Did you like, want him to live out there two weeks, but only show three days of it? Give him a break, bro. I think on the other, I think <clears> he was at a Marriott in between <laughs> those. 
<laughs> he looked well rested a lot of those times. <laughs> Too well rested. I have circles under my eyes and I sleep in a bed. Maybe he sat in a Marriott bed and still ate slugs and stuff. Like, yeah, like that's a good he mix. Stayed, you know, he just didn't take a shower. He didn't do the continental breakfast. He's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'll just squeeze the water from this elephant dung. <laughs> BearGrills.com. Not a sponsor. Hey, guys, uh, uh, listen, thanks for listening. And, uh, man, we, we've... Um, We've we've come a long way. It's not quite a year, be a year in September, Johnny. Beautiful. And we'll be doing this podcast, so we're mm. looking forward. That'll be season two when we start. So oh, season really? one's still going strong, bro. And uh, we're going to have an exciting. Johnny and I were talking off off of uh, the recording this morning of uh, some exciting changes that are coming to uh, the look of the talk about that the look podcast. and feel. The look and feel are coming. So stay tuned for that. Share it with a friend if it made a difference for you. If it didn't, share it anyway. We don't. It's okay. Yeah. Don't discriminate against us just because we didn't make a difference in your life. But go ahead and, uh, and and tell your friends about it. But thanks for subscribing. We'll see you next time on Talk About That. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast, to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. 